Glory be to God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. All right. All right. All right. Sam and Court, it's good to see you guys this morning, man. Welcome back. Praise God. It's good to see you guys. Amen. Amen. Samuel Iyitayo Badaki is in the house. God bless you, Sammy. It's good to see you. This morning, I just want to introduce my friend, uh, one of Dr. Hamby's sons. He's visiting with us this morning from Seattle. He came for the conference that we just had from Wednesday through Friday and just stayed over to fellowship with us. Pastor Michael Smith Sr., all the way from Seattle. Praise God. It's good to have you. It's good to have you. Amen. Are you guys ready this morning for the word? Ah, man, I'm so excited. I don't even know what to do. This is a super duper day. The only person worship. Brother Diola was making the reference as they did the song that said that Jesus is a miracle worker, promise keeper. And for some of us, those terminologies seem to be so far away because we don't understand miracles, maybe because we don't need them, or perhaps we are not desperate to see promise kept. But I got news yesterday, and the other made a slight reference to it. Uh, this couple, husband is 59 years old, and the wife is 54 years old, and they never had a child. But this Jesus, Hallelujah. who is a miracle worker, and promise keeper. Yes. The one who gets the promise and says, none of you shall be barren. Yes. Yesterday, give them a bouncing, healthy baby girl. <laughs> At the age of 54. So I don't know how old you are. I don't know how long you've been waiting. I don't know what you are waiting for. I don't know what you are trusting God for. All I'm here to tell you this morning as a simple messenger is that over 2,000 years ago, today, God changed the equation. Yes. That cross is a game changer. Ah, no, 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 no. You guys don't understand that. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. I said, whatever it is that you are trusting God for, that you are believing God for, that you are just believing for and just standing for, I'm here to tell you, it's not over. Yes. Until it is over. Yes. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, before I get into the message, let me just say this. Let me just say this. You guys saw the... Uh, promo on the T3 training that's coming for this next Saturday. I want to encourage you not to miss it. I want to encourage you not to miss it. The T3 marketing training workshop that's coming up on Saturday, April the 7th. I don't want you to miss it. Now, we do those trainings on Saturdays because it allows us time to deal with content and to take your questions so you can live with understanding. We are living in a day and time when the body of Christ must be equipped with the tools so you can be what God created you to be. There's a reason for which Jesus died and rose from the dead. And he wants you and I now to participate with him in the great enterprise that he has for the kingdom of God. Now, on Saturday, you're going to live with four things, at least four things. Number one, number one, you will discover why God created you. You will discover why God created you. Number two, we will help you to be able to identify and write your own personal vision statement. A vision is a mental picture of the future that motivates us today. Why are you waking up every morning? Why are you breathing? 
What are you living for? A vision will help you frame that. Number three, you will learn how to hear from God. And number four, you will learn how you, yes, you, 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 can influence the culture in which we're living in. Four takeaways. And then, of course, along with all of that, we are gonna, we've, we've already set up an online uh, mentoring thing whereby you and I can still continue to talk beyond the training time. Amen? Incredible. Now, let me, let me just tell you, just so you guys can understand what God has given us here. Dr. Hamby was just here Wednesday through Friday. On Wednesday night, he said to me, he said, Bank, you know, I may have you share on Thursday night. Ah, I said, okay, all right. That's Thursday night. I came in Thursday morning. He said, you're sharing this morning. That's what, that's what happened. And I, okay, and then he got to the podium and called me up. And I just shared for 40 minutes what I've, been trying, what I've been trying to share with you guys for, well, I don't know how long. 40 minutes. Those guys left this room and went out there and bought the materials. We actually ran out of materials. They sold over $1,000 in about 15 minutes. Hallelujah. I'm saying that so you understand that a prophet sometimes has no honor in his own home except in this country. That's true. That's true. But I'm not looking for your honor. I'm looking for your transformation. Yeah. I'm looking for your impartation. I'm looking for you to become everything that God has created you to be. That's my job. That's my delight. That's my pleasure. Dr. Ambi got up after me and literally wept. Because he's been thinking that everything he's been teaching that we're not listening, that we don't understand, we don't know. He said, now nah, I'm ready to die. That's what he said. So I'm encouraging you, sign up. Today, today's the last day. Amen. Praise God. All right. The blessings of the resurrection. This won't take long. We do this every year, so we know, we know, all, we know what the resurrection is about all <laughs> already. The blessings of the resurrection. Now, may, let, let me just say this as we talk about Resurrection Sunday and Easter and so forth and so on. There may be some of you here that's hearing us for the first time, perhaps on, through streaming, or maybe you just come in here newly. You need to know that as believers, the word Easter is not biblical. Oh my gosh. The word Easter is taken from a Greek goddess. Okay? Now, I'm not taking the celebration away from you. I'm just giving you information so that you can celebrate with knowledge. So we are not saying not to celebrate. I'm just telling you that the word Easter actually came out of a Greek pagan history. And they just placated it, embellished it, and just said, okay, Easter, Christians, celebrate this. That's, that's what it is. And all through scriptures, only one translation of the Bible refers to the word as Easter. Acts chapter 12, verse 4, in the King James Version. Every other translation since then calls it Passover. Passover. Amen? So we would like to refer to it as Passover Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. However, if anybody calls it Easter Sunday, please don't break the bottle on their heads. It's all right. It's all right. As long as you know the biblical uh, uh, history of what you are doing or why you are doing it. Amen? Do you understand that? All right, so the blessings of resurrection. Many are still living today as if Jesus never went to the cross. Let me start by going to 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, beginning from verse 15. Many, 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 many are still living today as if Jesus never went to the cross. And the reason we find here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, can you give it to me, please, in the New King James Version? Or, or you know what? Better still, give it to me in the Amplified. Thank you. I'll read it in the King, New King James first, and then we'll go to the Amplified. 
He said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, this is important in order for you and I to understand the blessings of what today means to us as believers. I open up by saying many are still living as if Jesus never went to the cross. And the reason they are doing so is because of this verse of scripture. In Amplified, look at what it says. Study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. That is a mouthful. But it is a scripture that we need to pay attention to. Now, if he's telling me and you to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If I can rightly divide the word of truth, the implication is I can also what wrongly divide the word of truth. That's the problem. He says we should rightly, correctly divide the word of truth, but not only that, that we should rightly handle and skillfully teach it. So if I'm not rightly dividing it, then it will lead to me not being able to rightly and skillfully teach it. And that's why I said to you in my opening statement that many are living today as if Jesus never went to the cross. You see, when you look at these scriptures, yeah, we're going to give you some resurrection uh, uh, talking points in a minute. But I just need to get to it. Amen. <laughs> I know you're waiting to see me put him in the grave and bring him back out of the grave. <laughs> but I need, I need to get there first. Amen. When you look at the scriptures, you must understand that we are living in a different time than some of the times when this word was written. You cannot take everything you see from Genesis to Revelation and try to make it work now. Oh my goodness, did I lose the crowd here? Paul said, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed. Why should you be ashamed? You become ashamed when you misapplying scriptures. You become ashamed when you are trying to force something to be what it is not. You become ashamed when you are making claims of which you have no real, proper, legal, valid foundation to make. It's a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The reason today in history is so significant is because today, Resurrection Sunday, God changed the earth, or rather he changed the way he deals with mankind forever. Ah, five of you got it. Five of you got it. Today in history, God totally, completely changed his administration with human beings forever. Amen. Everything you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is not part of this dispensation. And if you don't understand that, you are bringing things to God in prayer. You are trying to live and do things now based on what he did in the past. And it's not working. You're going to put yourself to shame and you want to bring your reproach to God. That's why God said, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word. What truth belongs to me now? What did he say? For me to just get information but does not apply to me now. I need to know that. What is he saying to me now that will help me now be what God wants me to be? I need to know that. I need to know that. I need to rightly divide. People are using scriptures 
upside down, right side up. They are just totally confused because they don't understand the dispensation or the time or the season in which we are living in. We are living post-Jesus, not pre-Jesus. We are living in front of the cross, not before the cross. Therefore, you must be able to understand where you are. It's like me trying to, uh, you, 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 know, you know all those big old telephones we used to have in those days? You have big old thing like this. I mean, you, 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 it takes 10 minutes to make a phone call. Just to dial it. Can you imagine trying to live today with that kind of phone system when everybody just has a smartphone? You're outdated. You're behind times. People will laugh at you. You'll be ashamed of yourself. And that's exactly the picture that God, through Paul, is trying to convey to us so that we can understand. The cross changed everything. Say that with me. Say the cross changed everything. And of course, the resurrection put the icing on the cake. And you need to understand that. Now, quickly, let me give you your resurrection blessings. What you are waiting for. First of all, give me Romans 6.13. First of all, the first thing we must understand about this day, I noticed all the songs we sang and they were all correct, they were accurate, they are true, they are good, they are a blessing. But one important fact had been missing up till this moment. You see, we, give it to me in the New King James place. We celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and rightly so, Pastor. But can I submit to you this morning that what makes this a celebration is not just that Jesus rose from the dead, as good and as great and as essential as that is. Can I submit to you that in fact, his resurrection is also your resurrection? You and I were dead men and women walking around. We were zombies. We were living under a death sentence. For all have seen and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. So every living human being, up to the resurrection Sunday, were only dead men walking. So Jesus' resurrection, oh my God. You see, because when people die, what happens? We mourn, we cry, we grieve, and then they lower that body into the grave. When the body is lowered into the ground, it's like, they call it the final rite of passing. That's a reason they call it so. Because after that body is lowered into the ground, you don't expect to see them again. They are gone. It's over. All right. All right. Until Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it was. That's the way it's been. And that's the way it was going to be for every man and woman that live until Jesus. We have never seen one like this. Who in fact died, was buried, and even though the expectation was that this was going to be the final rite of passing, on the third day, he told them, you have not seen anything yet. It's not over until it is over. He stepped out of that graveside yeah. and models for us what you and I can expect in the power of his resurrection. So that's the first thing I want you guys to see. We were dead men, dead women walking, but through the power of his resurrection, you and I have life. We have life. Let's read that. I like the way the Romans, uh, the, the message transition says it. Give it to me, please, in Romans 3, verse 23. I know I said Romans 6, 13, but let's, let's go to Romans 3, 23. Romans 3, 23, message translation. Look at this. Since we have compiled this long and sorry record of our sinners, both us and them, and proved that we were utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. 
out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we are in and restored to us where he always wanted us to be. And how did he do it? And he did it by the means of Jesus Christ. Give me Romans 6.23. Same message translation. 6.23. Okay. It says you work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. <laughs> what a language. It's about God's gift is real life. Eternal life. Delivered by Jesus our master. Hallelujah. So in Christ Jesus, you and I are alive. If you are born again, if you've accepted the sacrifice that he paid for us at Calvary. Amen? We are alive. Number two thing I want us to see is that not only are we alive, we have victory over sin. Say victory. victory. Over sin. Over sin. Amen. Not only are we alive, but in Christ Jesus, we have victory over sin. Now, let, let, let me go to the scripture in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 32. Hey, Nessa, it's good to see you, man. Praise God, they let you go, huh? <laughs> and I, oh man, in those days, man, I used to, love, I used to like to hum this song, this, this verse. Oh man, I, we can really tune this verse up. And I, if, 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 if I be lifted up, <laughs> I, I, I will draw all men unto me. All right, okay, that was just for me. <laughs> and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, withdraw all peoples to myself. Jesus is making a promise here. I'm talking about how we have victory over sin. You and I can have victory over sin because Jesus took all the sin on himself. Yes. Now, this verse of scripture, in the original Greek, the word people is missing. In the original Greek text, the word people is missing. And if you look in your Bibles, that word people will be in italics. It's in italics because these translators did not feel that it verse made sense. And they just tried to help God and say, well, let's, like, let's, let's put this word there, then it makes more sense. And by so doing, they mess it up. The original text, in fact, if you have a mirror translation of the Bible, mirror translation of the Bible, mirror, M-I-R-R-O-R, -R -R, mirror. It says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. All. And you know that this is correct because when you look at the verses above it, it's talking about judgment. Judgment. It says, the prince of this world cometh. He said, but he has nothing in me. It talks about how he came to judge the world. So judgment is what he's talking about. So the Bible is saying here, Jesus is saying, if I be lifted up, I will draw all unto me. What, what's the all he's going to draw? Every sin, every judgment, every sickness, every poverty, every pain, every sorrow, every and everything that the enemy will want to put on you and I, you and I today. Jesus said, when I go to that cross, I'm going to draw it on myself. No, it was, I will attract the wrath. I will attract, attract all the judgment. I will take upon myself all the judgment of the world so that you don't have to be judged. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. You do not understand the commutation of death. You don't understand how God, through the power of the resurrection, delivered you and I from sin. You don't understand it. Kai! Can you imagine a man that has been found guilty in the courts of law and the judgment was sentenced, maybe life sentence or whatever the sentence was and this man is living under the burden of going to prison on a life sentence and a judge steps in and commutes that sentence and says, okay, no, we know you are guilty as charged. 
Nevertheless, someone else will pay the price for you. We are going to commute the sentence. You will not have to go to prison for life. Instead, we set you free. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. The Bible says, there is none that is good. No, not one. All of us were under the sentence of death, but not just the sentence of death, also under the power of sin. Which means we couldn't help ourselves. We could never be able to help ourselves. But what Jesus did was not only die for our sins, he died as us. And when he died as us, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, he said, my old man has been crucified. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And a life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I pray in this church that God will help you and I to understand the length and the breadth and the width and the height of the love of God that passes knowledge. We don't understand it. We talk about it, but we have no clue what it means. My God, God's love is so huge. Paul says it passes all understanding. But he also tells us our understanding of it will help me and you to become to come to grow up into the fullness of who God is. So Jesus set us free. We have victory. You and I, we have a choice now. We don't have to live in sin. Ooh. Come on, guys. We don't. We've been set free. We've been set free. That wicked. Old man that drove us, told us, pushed us to sin, compelled he's been crucified. He's no longer there. He's no longer in control if you are born again. If you are not, you are still a slave to sin. If you are not born again, you are still a slave to sin. And the good news for you is, Jesus paid the price in full so that you don't need to remain a slave to sin. But when you are born again, there's a divine exchange that took place. And according to this divine exchange, God's nature comes to dwell in you. And therefore, any prompting or desires for evil, wickedness, or sin, you're hearing, you are hearing the voice of an impersonator. You need to tell him, shut up! You don't have to yield to it. So we are resurrected. We have victory over sin. And number three, we have access to the blessings of God. We have access to the blessings of God. Now, this is huge. And this is where rightly dividing the word of truth is so important. Under the old covenant, please give me Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. New King James. Under the old covenant, you are responsible for doing good so you can get good. This is where 90% of the body of Christ are still missing it. This is why I said, for many of us, it as, it's as if Jesus had never been to the cross. Because we are still living in the Old Testament mentality in a covenant of grace. Watch what he says to them. Now, it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, verse 2. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Why? Because you obey. You didn't get it. Under the old covenant, any blessings you get is contingent on you. Go back to verse 1 again, please. Because some of you guys are still looking at me with quizzical eyes. Just, what is this mad boy saying? 
Now it shall come to pass. If you, if you, the, you, the that's the issue. Under the Old the entire Old Testament, it's you. If you do this, if you do that, if you do this, if you do that. If you don't do it, this is what will happen. If you do it, that's the entire Old Testament. So if someone is praying today and pray like this, you, I can tell you right away where, they are, where, they, where they've been. They are still living under Moses. This, this, I'm, I'm taking my time because this is big. This is, the, this is the divider. This is the marking point of grace and law. Under the law, you do good to get good. Give me verse 15, please. The same chapter. Verse 15. Verse 15. But look at what it says. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all the commandments and the statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So under the old covenant, that is Genesis through the book of John, Ooh. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were still under the old covenant until the resurrection. Until the resurrection. Jesus was born under the law, lived under the law, and when the lawyers, the experts of the law, asked him questions in the context of the law, he gave them a law answer. Yes. You have to know that. Because if you don't know that, you read the Bible and say, Jesus said, and he said, and they say, well, that, that's what I have to do. That. No, no, no. Understand, when was he saying it? To whom was he saying it? What was the context of his saying it? And what season was he in when he said it? Okay. If you don't understand that, you're going to make a mess of your life and give the wrong information to people. The anger of God has been satisfied in full at the cross in his son Jesus. God is no longer angry with mankind. Man, that's hard for some of us. Who, so many of us, can, can, we can't even begin to understand that. Why? The reason is so simple. Because when Jesus stood on that cross, he paid for our sins in the past, in the present, and for the future. So there is no sin any man will do in 2015, 2025, 2050, 2090 that will anger God any longer because all of that anger were already on the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, yes, he was angry. In the New, he's no longer angry. You have to understand that by rightly dividing the word of truth. You must understand that. So, the resurrection gives access to you and I to the presence of God. But this time, it is not contingent on what I do or do not do. It is only contingent on what Jesus has already done. In John 19 verse 30, he made a proclamation. He said, it is finished. What that means is everything that has to do with your redemption, everything that has to do with your salvation on this cross, it is finished. It is accomplished. God did not require on your part anything to do not to get that blessing. No, the only requirement now is believing what is already done. The blessings of God are available. But we must understand what those blessings are and how we access them. That's why the psalmist, David, even though he was in the Old Testament, but you can tell that David was a man who lived in the Old but saw the New. You can, you can see that when you read his, his life. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then he says, and forget not his benefits. A regular Old Testament person will not say that. The blessings of God for them were not benefits. They were rewards. 
They earned them. They worked for them. But David said, forget not his benefits. He understood that he was living in a different era. He understood the grace of God. He understood that he could not earn God's blessings. He said, forget not his benefits. A benefit is something that's conferred on you that you necessarily did not work for. Whereas a reward is something that you have to earn. He said, forget not his benefits. Number one, how you forgive what are iniquities. Number two, how you heal our diseases. Number three, how you redeem our soul from destruction. Number four, how you crown our head with your tender loving kindness. Oh my God. I don't know about you this morning. I'm so excited because I understand that God loves me. I understand that I'm the apple of his eye. I'm the delight of his pleasure. I understand he has called me with an everlasting love. And God's love will not fail. We really need to focus more on the love of God than me loving God. Huge. In fact, most of the Bible talks about the love of God, not about me loving God. Oh, do you want me to prove it to you? First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Maybe you should give me verse 10 first. Let's see how God defines love. First John 4. In this is love. Now, hello. Did you guys see that? How many professors do we have here? The, the, in this is love. Not that we love God. Because you guys are throwing love around. I love God. I love God. I love God. I love God. God say, wait, wait, wait. Wait, hold it. Let's define this word properly. In this is love, Greg. All right. I know how you are thinking as a human being. When you hear love, you think about you loving me. So let me first take that away. Let me yes. take that off the table. Right. Not that we love God. Yes. Take that off the table. Yes. But, oh my God, I love the butts of the Bible. But, oh my God, you are going through a hard time. But, Things are not working for you, but yes. the enemy wants to eat your lunch, but yes. my God, every time you say but, you know that God is trying to change the subject matter. Yes. In this is love. Take your religiosity off the table, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Hallelujah. And because he loved us, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Yeah. Are you saying, I, I can hear you talking back to me, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Okay, I hear you. Give me verse 19. First John 4, 19. We love him because He first loved us. In other words, if he did not first love you, you would never be able to love him. We love him. Why? Because he first loved. That's why you need a revelation of God's love towards you. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why John, in his gospel, five times, said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. Because if you don't establish yourself in that, the enemy will make you go crazy. His love does not fail. His love is not contingent on my behavior. His love does not place a demand on me. His love finds a way to excuse my bad behavior. My God. <laughs> oh my God. He looked at those guys. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Really? They don't know what they are doing? What part did they not know? But you see, love will find a way to make a way. Ha, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Hallelujah! We love him. Oh, yes. Because he first loved us. I pray 
right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, Amen. that every man, every woman, under the sound of my voice, will catch this revelation. Yes. The revelation of your love. Yes. That love that constrains Amen. you to remain on that cross in spite of that agonizing pain. Amen. That love that we as humans do not understand. Amen. Lord, I thank you. Open our eyes. Open our heart to understand how much you love us. You said, the eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. We can only love you because you first love us. And so, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. We honor you. We bless you. We praise your name. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. Praise God. So the blessings of God come to us, not because we earn it, not because we are good, but because he loves us. And because he loves us, he makes the provision for us. I already told you what those provisions are. They are already available because of God's love towards us. The last point I want to leave you with. Why did God do all of this? Why did he raise us from the dead with himself? Why did he commit our death sentence? Why did he give us victory over sin? Why, can, and why are we able to freely receive the blessings? This reason is very simple. Because he has given to all of us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given to every single one of us the ministry of reconciliation. The greatest disservice that we've ever done to God has come from the pulpit. Let me explain. Let me explain. We have somehow idolized the pulpit on Sunday mornings and given undue honor, well, 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 maybe not honor, undue emphasis, that's the right word, to a pulpit ministry during a church gathering. And somehow have given the impression that a preacher is more spiritual than a plumber. We've given this impression that an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist is more important to God than a healthcare practitioner. We've given this impression that the only ones who can reach the world and do mighty things for God are the so-called preachers. Now, I'm a preacher. I thank God for my gift. I thank God for the place that God has given me. I thank God for that. But I'm not going to be foolish for one second to think that God will call a body of Christ and only gives responsibility to reach the world to 3%. Because apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and evangelists are only 3% of the entire body of Christ. And when you read the scriptures, the early church did not function like that. There was no division of sacred and secular. God did not know any sort of thing. God did not call some to be to sacred duties and others to secular duties. You will never find that in the scripture. That is man-made and it happened from the pulpit. That's not God's intention. When God needed to save the world in Genesis, he called Noah. Where was his congregation? When Noah's time was gone and there was famine in Egypt and the whole world on the verge of destruction, who did they call? Joseph. What was Joseph's gifting? Administration. Where were the preachers? I'm talking to some of you because you are thinking that you are not able to be used by God because you don't have a pulpit. You are a liar. And whoever has taught you that is a liar. Yeah. 
and their father before them were liars. When the walls of Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt, there were priests all over the kingdom. Men and women who were well-schooled, well-tutored, who knew the Bible from cover to cover. God didn't call any of them. He called a man by the name of Nehemiah. What was his qualification? He was a cupbearer, which means a trusted one. Are you trust trustworthy? That was Nehemiah's qualification. A cupbearer, which means he was trustworthy, and of course, the gift of administration. That gift that you use on your, on your job every day, that you trivialize, that you think, ah, can anything good, good come out of administration? That's what God used to save the world. When God said in his scriptures in Exodus 35, Exodus 36, Exodus 31, when he first mentioned a person as filled with the Spirit, it was Bezalel and Aholiab, a craftsman for crowd loud. Come on, God, you could have called a prophet. All right. A craftsman. If a craftsman came to this shop now and I shook his hand and said, Hey, brother, hi, how are you doing? And he said, What do you do for a living? I'm a craftsman. Ah, Pierre, please sit him in the back road. Immediately, we, we promote him to the back row because we think craftsman, what good can he do? And yet, when God was going to fill a person with the spirit, the very first one was a craftsman. What am I talking about? Are you in arts? Are you in media? Are you in creativity? Do you have gift? Do you have talents? Do you have something that God has given you and you think God cannot use that? Are you crazy? Where have you been? You have something uniquely from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift, they come from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither the shadow of turning. I don't care what gift you have, God gave it. And if you give the gift, it wants to be glorified in and through it. So this ministry of reconciliation is not just given to a preacher. No! It's given to all of us. And God is saying, go back to your mission field, your jobs, your homes, your places of assignment, wherever you find yourself on nine to five is your mission field. Let God use you where you are and use where you are to bring glory to God. You are an indigenous missionary to God wherever you are. I know I'm going a little beyond time, but I need to make this point. Indigenous missionary, what do I mean by that? Okay, let's use the healthcare industry. It's a certain lingua or language, if you will, that's associated with healthcare. The way you dispense the medicine, the protocol of seeing patients, you, you know, take blood pressure, all of Everybody that works in that industry understands the language. I don't. So God will not waste his resources. If we place a bisola who is well versed in that language and in that protocol, in that setting, and say, Bissola, you understand what goes on here. You know what they should be doing. Therefore, I'm planting you here. You will be my eyes and my legs to bring glory and honor to my name right here where you are. Amen. Right here where you are in the healthcare industry, that is your pulpit. Amen. Just open your ears. Let me tell you who needs help. And once I've spoken to you about who needs help, then let me open your mouth so you can give them the answer. Amen. It's as simple as that. It's not counting the Bible and just say, hey, hey, you see this new translation, I hit them on the head with them. No, no, no. God has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation and he's just saying, go tell them they are reconciled. Yeah. That's a simple message. Don't tell them you are a sin. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit will do that. Wow. What they need to know right now is that they've been reconciled. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, 18, 19. The Bible says God was in Christ in reconciling the world to himself. It's a done deal. It's, it has happened. They are reconciled back to God, but they don't know it. 
They don't know it. So our message to the world on our jobs, in our schools, at home, wherever we find ourselves, is to let the people know, oh, bro, you know, you've been reconciled. You've been reconciled. Is it what? What do you mean? Oh, yeah. All your debt is paid. What? It's all paid up. Jesus paid it all on the cross. That's an attention getter. Hallelujah. Versus, oh, hey, oh God, bro, you're going to hell. How is that good news? Tell me, how is that good news? That is not good news. We've been called to preach good news. Good news is my debt has been paid. Yes. I understand that. I get that. I want that. Yes. A sinner already knows that I'm sinning. They know that. They don't need you to tell them they're sinning. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Spirit get them first and then you can clean them. See, yes. this is our problem. We're trying to clean fish before we catch it. Isn't that silly? You're trying to clean something you've not caught. Catch it first. And let God clean them up. I was in a nightclub when I got born again. Nightclub. I owned a nightclub. No, no, no. Just so you understand it. I owned it. But you know, nobody ever told me that I should not be there. Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody told me, ah, but what? Nightclub? Smoking reefer? Chasing women? You are going to hell! Nobody ever said it. Nobody. But once I saw the love of Jesus, Amen. <laughs> nobody had to tell me to clean my act up. Yes. The Holy Spirit does what he does best. Yes. So leave them alone. If they're smoking, let them smoke. Say, tell them I said it. If they are drinking, let them drink. If they are whoring around, let them whore. Oh, I can hear the legion. Ha, hallelujah. Why am I saying that? Where were you when God arrested Zacchaeus? And at the immediately Zacchaeus came with, before Jesus without a seminar on T3, without attending TBN seminar, Zacchaeus of his own accord, if I have defrauded anybody, I'm going to make restitution. Yes. I'm going to get it right. Why? No man can ever encounter Jesus, the Jesus I know. I don't know about the one you know, but the Jesus I know, there is no way you can encounter him and remain the same. You do not remain the same because man legislated it. You do not remain the same because Jesus changes your nature. He changes your desire. He exchanges your, 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 your ashes for his beauty. He places a garment of praise upon you. You don't want to mess up. There's a difference between not wanting to mess up versus knowing that if I do mess up, I'm in trouble. Let them keep on drinking. Bring them here. And what, what Jesus will do with them. Now, am I saying drinking is fine? Horn is fine? No. No, I'm not saying that's fine. Those things are not fine. But I'm saying you are not the Holy Spirit. It is not your job to get them clean. You could not die for them on the cross. You, did, you could not go to the grave for them. You did not come out. Of, so it is not mind your own business. That's what I'm saying. Thank you. You love the hell out of them. Amen. That's your job. And let God do what only he can do. Are you hearing me? So let's leave this place today. Pastor Shana, please come. Pastor Tosin, Pastor Larry. We are going to release all of you. We are going to ordain all of you today. Amen. All of you have been ordained yeah. today. All of you, into your ministries. Amen. Look at AIG. AIG. Abba. I also have a father. <laughs> Praise God. All of us, let me, let me give one scripture because John chapter 15. 
<laughs> John 15. Now, this is the more reason you need to come to T3 on, on Saturday. Because everything I'm talking about to you about, it, it's, 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 it's a lot of stuff. Okay? You need to be here on Saturday so you can get all of the story. And it's a continuing training. We can't get it in two sessions, three sessions. No. It's an ongoing thing. Because we've been wrong for so long. It's going to take a while for us to get it right. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. KJV says, and ordained you. That's what that scares preachers to death. The what? You're going to ordain other preachers? That's scared. I, was at a, I did a conference in October and I used the word ordain. I said, go to your church and ordain all your membership. And the preachers were, they, they almost wanted to stone me to death because they didn't get it. In the original King James, give me KJV, please. That same verse. You, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And ordained you. Jesus ordained them, all of them. I was not scared that they would take his own position. Why are we so insecure? I wish to God somebody would take my job now. Yeah. Why are we so insecure? About what? He ordained them. That you should go and bring forth fruit. I'm trying to help you to see how your life can have a meaning. Hear what it says. That your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it. Why are you not getting results? <laughs> Why are you not getting results? The price has been paid in full for results to come to your life. But he's saying, listen, I'm making an investment in you. When am I going to get a return on my investment? That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Amen? God loves you. He loves you unconditionally. And is appealing to us to be part of his great harvest so that we can go and bring in those that he has reconciled but do not know it yet. And you don't have to have a church pulpit to do so. You can do it right now where you are. At school, at home, your businesses, your jobs, you're a bricklayer, you're a laborer, you're a professor, you're a lecturer, you're a healthcare worker, you're a janitor. It does not matter. It does not matter. What to you guys? Just release the whole body. Let's rise. <laughs> Amen. I don't think there is anything left to be said. Um, it cannot be any more naked. My prayer is that this will not be church as usual. That we will not live here today and go back to the old lifestyle. Every one of us has been ordained. Every one of us. But like the pastor rightly said, in Lamentation chapter 5, I believe the Bible said, who will ever believe that evil can be found in the gate of Jerusalem? He said, but it is the error of the teaching priest. The error of the teaching priest. We are where we are today because of the preachers and the teachers. But God has delivered us. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Every one of us, we have been ordained. And the simple key that we can go with today as we go out of this place, whether you are a student, an adult, whatever it is, wherever we are, we are planted there by God and ordained 
to be there by God. You don't need to hit people on the head with the scripture of the Bible. Now, whatever God has given us to do is the niche. That's all God is going to use. 